Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman back for another episode. And today we are extraordinarily thrilled to have with us Joel Katz. He's the Chief Ethics and Conduct Officer for Booz Allen and Hamilton. Joel is previously CECO at CA Technologies, where he gained some amount of notoriety for utilizing creative programming, which we're going to explore in this podcast. So, Joel, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Joel, perhaps you could start off by uh, telling us a little bit about your journey in ethics and compliance at both CA Technologies and now at Booz Allen and Hamilton. Sure. So, uh, so I'm a lawyer by training and uh, spent the first 15 years of my career doing uh, management side labor and employment law, first at a law firm and then in-house at CA. And uh, CA, you know, those in compliance circles likely know, used to be called Computer Associates. We had a very big corporate scandal that resulted in people going to jail, a deferred prosecution agreement. And at the conclusion of all of that, um, my boss tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I was interested in moving over to the ethics and compliance side to run the global program. And I accepted the offer. Um, and, you know, from there, coming out of a deferred prosecution agreement, very serious times, we threw a lot of compliance information uh, at employees all at once. Um, many of them sort of longed for getting their information in different and maybe more creative ways. And that was what sort of set us on a road to start trying to think outside of the box on how we could deliver serious compliance information in maybe a little bit of a funner way. Um, you know, I was at CA until 2018 uh, when the company got acquired by Broadcom. I then did a short stint uh, at a Honeywell spinoff called Residio before moving to Booz Allen uh, in January of this year. And, you know, I'm three months into that job. It is a wonderful values-based company, very different from CA in certain respects, uh, just in their approach to things. But thus far, it's been a, it's been a really fun and interesting ride. Uh, this is Ronnie. Hello, everybody. Uh so I came to know you, Joel, uh, back in your CA uh, days, and um, when I was uh, first, I guess it was maybe 10 years ago when I first started making creative uh, comedic compliance training videos, and everyone kept saying, oh, you got to meet uh, Joel Katz. He's doing all this really great work at, at, C at CA, and uh, so I've been trying to have you on the, the podcast since we, we started, um, and so... For the broader audience, why don't we just start with a really simple question? Why don't you tell us a little bit, a little bit about Griffin Peabody? So Griffin Peabody is the fictional compliance character that we created. Um, this was the, re the result. After, shortly after I moved into the compliance role in 2009, one of the first things we did was we started gathering a lot of information from employees about what they liked or didn't like about our compliance program. And one thing that came through pretty clearly was – they, they found the compliance training and awareness to be very dry, very esoteric, and they, they wanted to know, isn't there a more interesting way that you can deliver the same information to us? A group of us got to thinking and said, I wonder if there's a way to have some fun with this. And out of sort of some of that brainstorming was hatched the idea to create Griffin Peabody, the fictional employee who was always doing the wrong thing. And so uh, we sort of conceived of the character and what we thought 
you know, his personality traits may be. And then we said, you know, why don't we put together a, a couple scenarios and we'll have them acted out in videos and see if, see if we've got something here that might have some staying power and that people might like. Uh, and so the first two videos that we did, uh, if memory serves, we did one on insider trading and we did one on um, competitive intelligence and confidential information. Those were sort of the pilots that we created and rolled out, and uh, people just loved it, and it sort of took off from there. So, uh, so it's a custom character that you created, like a classic wrong way behavior character, um, and you produced them in house, right? Yes, we did. So we we had a really good um, team at uh, CA that that you know did a lot of the filming and photography for corporate events, and, and 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 truthfully, they were wonderful when we were actually filming because many of them had really good ideas. So what we did was we found an actor to play the role of Griffin. So he was an outside actor uh, who we paid um, and and who was outstanding, but. With the, the rest of the people in the videos, we staffed it with real CA employees. In fact, on, on numerous occasions, we did casting calls, and it, it made it a lot of fun, um, I, I, both in terms of for the people who participated, but also I think it drove a, great, a greater level of employee engagement because a lot of employees enjoyed seeing their coworkers in the videos that we produced. It's interesting that comes to my company. It comes up a lot. People sometimes want to use their own employees. And as we've probably all seen our careers, some companies do that well and some companies don't do it very well because there's the risk of embarrassment for the employee who's getting the wrong kind of laugh. Right. Um, You know, so uh, um, but I've seen uh, a lot of the Griffin Peabody videos and they come across great. I'm, um, and I, I, so I, I got to figure out what my question is here, but I'm acknowledging the fact that I love that you got the double engagement there by having a casting call. You got people interested in it. I think that's really unique and innovative. So you're like, who would like to participate in that? And then the second part is then you get the best people to do it. Yeah, well, in some instances, we drafted people that, you know, there were certain videos because we produced I mean, if you go on YouTube, I think many of them, most of them are still up. We probably produced two dozen videos over a span of seven or eight years covering almost every compliance topic I think you could think of that, that might actually happen in your workplace. Um if I'm being completely honest, though, you know, Ronnie, not every video turned out the way we wanted, and some of them never made prime time, because after we filmed the scenes, we sort of said, you know, this isn't, it either wasn't funny, or maybe somebody who was in the scene just didn't come across the way that, that, that we wanted them to. So there were one, certainly ones that ended up on the cutting room floor. People don't realize how hard it is, and you obviously do now, to to make good quality video. It's sometimes now when I see major motion pictures come out and you're like, how did they spend $5 million on that? And then you go, Oh yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to, uh, uh, because the day you're shooting is the expensive day where you've got sets and people and every time you move the camera. And, um, but so this is all a credit to you for, for having, um, pulled it off. Um, we always, I always encourage my clients if they can involve employees, it's always a good idea in terms of an engagement level, but it's tricky. And if you're not, uh, and it does take time and care and effort into the script and into, you know, uh, as you, well, let me ask you this question. So how much, um, 
time and effort did it go into making these things? Did you feel like it was a worthwhile effort of your time? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of fun filming and because we used the same for, for almost all of the videos, we used the same character for Griffin. We, we all got to know him pretty well and he was a really fun guy. We really enjoyed the time together. Um, you know, typically we would shoot for two days, two full eight hour days. And over the course of two days, we would typically record, depending on the complexity of the video and how many scene changes, we would usually be able to get four, sometimes five usable videos out of those two-day sessions. So like two and a half per day. Um, yep. And, you know, again, because we were doing it all in-house, there was some, you know, we had to pay, you know, the talent fee for the actor. But but the, 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 the cost to the company were minimal. And I think the benefit our program got and the level of employee engagement that we were able to drive by using the Griffin character, um, pay, you know, the investment paid for itself many, many, many times over. That's it's good to hear uh, 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 because you know, again, people are intimidated by intimidated by it. And if you, I feel always feel like if you want to create, the whole point is to be interesting when you're conveying these very important subjects, right? I think we all kind of agree on that. And whether you uh, hire an outside agency to help you or to do something in house, the point is you have to put a little time, care, and effort into it. Um, and if you're willing to put in that time, it typically has a pretty nice payoff. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I, I would tell you also, I mean, the scripts a lot of times write themselves in terms of it wasn't like we had to get that creative. We used, you know, real life scenarios, either cases we had dealt with ourselves that we took some poetic license to or things we'd read about um, that had happened at other companies and said, wow, that would be a great we could play with that. And that would be a great idea for a Griffin video. So it wasn't like we needed to get all that creative in terms of creating the content. There's just there's so many stories out there of employees doing silly things or the wrong thing from a compliance perspective that that drafting the scenarios, um, it, it wasn't all that hard and we had fun with it. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, quotes, which I've probably said on this podcast before, is from Gilda Radner. And she said, uh, uh, comedy is just truth only faster. Uh, which I always, I always love that because if you're, if you're doing it well, you're really mining something that is truthful and honest and maybe heightening a behavior, you know, exaggerating. That's where the, the laugh will come from. Um, but the people who are laughing usually see something in it. And that's what what um, what gets you to, to guffaw. Um, Tom, just checking in with you. Uh, I've been dominating the questions. Did you uh, want to chat? I have a couple other questions, but I wanted to check in with you. Yeah, um, Joel, I was particularly intrigued by your comments around employee engagement. And I was wondering, were you able to utilize the, the casting calls, the uh, having employees uh, be a part of the videos, and that entire discussion to really communicate more broadly with your employee base and create a, a de facto set of compliance ambassadors? Yeah, I, I would say yes and no. Um, I, I think um, cer certainly the people who got involved in the videos and filmed were probably people who had a, a somewhat of an interest in compliance to begin with. So I think they were already uh, serving as ambassadors, but 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 certainly their their roles in the videos. Um, I think that brought that a little bit more front and center. Um, I, I would say overall, though, we our our philosophical approach to compliance training was uh, and this may be may be different in a more highly regulated company like a bank but we weren't trying to create an army of compliance experts we were trying to raise awareness to a level where people would know when to pick up the phone and ask for help or raise their hand 
And we found that by doing things that, um, that were fun and that people looked forward to watching, they were paying close attention and remembering these silly vignettes that we were creating in, in their real life and going, gosh, you know, I, I remember, didn't Griffin Peabody get in trouble for doing this? I better ask somebody before I do it. So in that way, th- that was the type of engagement it, it drove. And um, But I think a knockoff was there were more people who did become bigger ambassadors uh, because it was easy to get them to buy into what we were trying to do as a company. Okay, back to you, Ronnie. Yeah, sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you just a couple of nuts and bolts uh, questions. Like, um, so these were like two to five minute videos for the most part. Uh, is that the typical length of these? Yeah, yeah. There were one or two that might have been a little longer, but I'd say the sweet sweet spot uh, for the scenario was two to five minutes. Yeah. Okay. So right in and out, and this is you know uh, probably started a while back where five minutes uh, felt short, whereas that might actually feel almost long now because the uh, sensibilities have changed. Um, But yeah, like short communication awareness. And how did you roll them out? Um, Were they embedded as part of training or were they rolled out as standalone communications? I'm just curious about that. When we first created the two pilots um, that I mentioned earlier, we, 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 I was out doing road shows and traveling around the world and showing the videos to get feedback. And when people really started saying, God, this is pretty good stuff. I'd like to see more of this. Then we started embedding, embedding it in training and building training lessons and training plans around the videos. So we'd have a, a video with Griffin doing something inappropriate, let's say from a workplace conduct standpoint, and then there'd be a lesson about appropriate workplace conduct and the prohibition of harassment. We'd have a video of Griffin doing something stupid from a trade compliance standpoint, and then we'd have a discussion about you know, the rules around trade compliance and sanctioned parties and things like that. So it really, it really fed very nicely, sort of the silly scenario followed by the lesson. Um, uh, and that was the general cadence that employees really grew to like. Uh, did, were you able to – obviously, this became a branded character, a recognizable character within CA. Were you able to just simply put the image in other places as a, you know, a advertisement? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knew Griffin. I mean, to, to the point that when we would film in, in, in New York, um, we, we'd go and get lunch together in the cafeteria. And it was like you had a true celebrity on site, people wanting to take selfies with him to the point that we created car, a couple cardboard Griffins, full size, real life size cardboard griffins that when we traveled internationally we'd bring it with us and people would take selfies with the cardboard cutout of griffin so anything with his face on it got a, a tremendously high click rate that's awesome and this by the way messages with my experience too you had mentioned that maybe it wouldn't you know not be as effective in a highly regulatory thing like a bank but i have two clients that are banks and we've created custom characters for and they have the same experience like they it's because it's an advertising model, right? You, you, you see someone, you're like, oh, that's the fun guy. And then they associate fun with compliance. Yeah. And, I, you know, Ronnie, I really think this could be effective in any industry. I think the bigger hurdle in highly regulated industries is that and, and we struggled with this as well is, hey, if we make it funny, are, is somebody going to perceive this as that we're making light of what is really important compliance obligations. I never viewed it that way. I think anything we can do to, to get people engaged and drive higher levels of awareness is a good thing. And that humor can be so effective at doing that. But there is that hurdle to overcome, I think. In, and I think it's more common in highly regulated industries that if we use humor, we're making light of this. Yeah, well, so that I wanted to pick up on that real quick. So th- this is the biggest hurdle that most 
I, that I, when I go out into the, to the conferences and all that, I they always go, oh gosh, I would love to do that, but I'm not so sure. Really conservative, uh, you know. I, well, people go for it. There's all that nervousness about doing these things. So, can you maybe speak to what you had, how you overcame that? I mean, you were out, you were the boss, so that's helpful. Uh, but like, what are some of the things that you can maybe share with people about how to make a argument? for these kinds of things and to overcome these uh, objections? Well, I think you would know better than I in terms of the data that's out there. I mean, the data that I've seen and, and certainly my own experience is that humor, using humor and, and finding creative and interesting ways really is a way to drive employee engagement and to get people interested in the program. And to me, that, that's what we should all be doing. Um, so to the extent that you can use data, um, maybe start off small. You know, uh, you know, some of the stuff we did as we went on and we knew that the company had an appetite for it was maybe a little more risque than the early stuff that we produced. So I think start off small, get some ambassadors within the company in leadership positions um, who see the world the way that you do to help you sell it to maybe some of the skeptics. And then, you know, hit them with the numbers. I mean, if you have click rates or levels of engagement, or if you do surveys on to get employee feedback on whether they liked the training, didn't like the training, or felt they learned something from it, you know, the, our experience was when we started using humor that those numbers went through the roof in terms of engagement. I mean, I, one of the things I can tell you, and I think Griffin was a big part of this, but, but a lot had to do also with the way the company was conducting itself. The highest scoring item at CA on the employee opinion survey for the last three or four years that I was there, was employees' belief that we were an ethical company. And I think that the Griffin Peabody training and how and people understood we were we were having fun with it, but it meant something and it was important to the company. I think Griffin Peabody directly contributed to those numbers being as high as they were. It's great. And one of the quotes I've heard, um, I was talking to a compliance officer of one of my clients and who also buys into this approach that we're talking about here about being fun, interesting, not always funny, but fun, interesting, engaging. Um, and she says, well, look, you, you can't just use scare tactics because that drives bad behavior underground. It makes people afraid to bring up things. Um, whereas what mm -hmm. this does is it makes not only the team, but the subject matter less scary. So uh, I think it frees people up to say, I'm not sure. Can I let's talk about it? So <laughs> I'm, I'm echoing it that like, you know, there, there's value in in. Um, Maybe having, you know, some, hey, do this and you're going to jail kind of thing. But I think it has to be counterbalanced with something interesting, positive, fun. Yeah, I think that's right. Tom, did you have any uh, of questions to sort of wrap th wrap things up? I love the way that uh, Joel summarizes things. He sort of got ahead of some of my questions. So, um, uh, so I guess, Joel, uh, I was really impressed with – to me, it wasn't simply just the end product uh, videos. Uh, it was your entire process, your process from your casting calls to utilizing um, stories or events from the company and other companies uh, as the basis of your stories or uh, individual uh, lessons or individual episodes, pushing that out, having the engagement of the employee base in terms of uh, when Griffin showed up for a live autograph session and cut out how you were able to use it uh, as both a communication tool, but also as a teaching tool when you went on the road where you would play it and use that as an opening for a leading a discussion around it. Obviously, the um, 
and near and dear to my heart, the document, 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 part of the measurements you had that you could show management were having this type of engagement, really leading all the way. And I wrote this down. I hope I wrote it round right. Highest employee satisfaction survey score was being an ethical company and that this campaign uh, was uh, yeah. at least a direct part of that. Obviously, you had many more initiatives going on, but this was a highly visible campaign that you felt really led to, to that score. And, and I'm at least somewhat familiar with the journey CA was going through. So that was extraordinarily important to CA at that point in its corporate history. Yeah, and look, you know, I, I often tell the story that in the middle of our deferred prosecution agreement in 2006, um, Fortune magazine called CA the world's most dysfunctional company. Ten years later, we were recognized for the first time for four consecutive years after as one of the world's most ethical companies. And I think the lesson that, that I learned from that is no matter where you're starting from and how dark the days may be, if you um, get the commitment from management and from the board, if you work hard at it, if you find ways to engage uh, your employees and, and, and really prove that values matter, you can turn around even the worst of companies and right the ship and get them on a good path. Well, I, I know that I'm uh, excited to see uh, you start to bring some of those creativity, creative ideas uh, to your new gig. And uh, uh, I'm so glad that I finally got to get you on the show. Thanks. for. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, and I would just echo that with uh, my two favorite characters, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Ditto, ditto, ditto. <laughs> so, Ronnie, uh, thanks again. Thank you, Joel. And I look forward to this continuing the discussion with both of you all. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.